1: the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Lamagna. That is
0: at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? Pump for tonight's show. Wide receivers used to play the position, love it, but currently I'm also excited. You know, starting to coach uh, flag football for my kid this weekend, so I'm going to be scouting ten and eleven year old wide receivers for uh, Dynasty Theory in the year 2031. I'll, I'll get back to you guys.
1: Your son's going to say, Dad, listen. Listen about my yards per route run and You're going to say, yeah, but did you watch the film? <laughs> did you watch the, f- I don't care about your yards per route run. Well, anyway, we're also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That is at Dino MC on Twitter. What's up, Mitch?
2: What's up guys. I noticed that this show took probably four times the amount of research that the quarterback and running back one took combined. There's just so many wide receivers to go through. And they're so alike that, you know, it's going to be really tough getting through these guys. So the way I did
1: this, and that's a really good point. They're so alike. I think there are a lot that fall in certain buckets and not even tiers, but wide receivers that are just similar to each other, whether it's their playing style, their build, their physique. Uh, There's a lot of wide receivers in this class that if they hit, they will be an outlier just because of... Mm -hmm you know, their height or their weight or whatever the case may be.
2: There's a lot of short guys in this this wide receiver class. A lot. It's, yeah, we'll get a, into that. But, I mean, it's it's lot wide receiver city in this year's draft. There's a lot of short guys, a lot of old guys. I pretty much crossed
1: all of them off my list. So I'm down to, like, three wide receivers that I'm going right. to draft. All right, guys. I, I put it on Twitter, I said, how long until we get into our first fight tonight? Because... Uh, let's time it because it could be early tonight. I got the flags ready. I know, I know. But I actually think
2: we'll be okay for the first five guys. I think we'll get through that. But as soon as we get into that second, third tier, that's when it's going to start to get ugly. All right. So the first group that we
1: want to talk about, it's the first round wide receivers. And I don't necessarily mean first round in your rookie draft, first round in your super flex rookie draft, but players that have that potential first round NFL draft pedigree, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Terrace Marshall, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Tony. Those are all guys who have been linked to that first round draft capital. Where we have guys like Devonte Smith and Jamar uh, Jamar Chase, they're locked and loaded. And then you have guys like Bateman, Tony, that have been getting thrown into the conversation as well. Who wants to start us off? Who wants to get the show on the road? Dan, the former wide receiver, hit us with some truth. Those six receivers. Who are you – not not so much who are you interested in, but maybe a player that you're higher
0: on in the community or somebody that, hey, there could be some red flags here. I'm going between your show notes and my notes. I'm first glad that Amon Ross St. Brown isn't in this first tier of wide receivers. I don't know. It might have been in your original draft there. I had the challenge flag ready. I'm just being a, a smart guy. You know that because we like busting each other. But I, I, I've never – I've never busted your
1: chops, Dan Heather.
0: <laughs> Big asterisk there. But, you know, when I'm at Flag Football this weekend and Mrs. LaMagna is, like, taking analytics down for John Bauer as I'm scouting, I'll be like, you were talking to John, weren't you? But, no, I, man, I soaked up a lot of film this week. And I'm kind of segueing a little bit from your notes, and, and you could kind of chime in if I'm missing a guy of your your first-round tier here. Okay? So I have five guys bolded. If there was one guy that I would say is underrated that I like more than most, it's Kadarius Tony. I just, I just man, I think he's an ankle breaker with good hands who could dominate out of the slot. And, and, and I bring him up first just because I think it's the most controversial one. Mitch is already salivating over there. I think I'm a little bit more from what I'm reading in the minority of the dynasty world. Is there's, there seems to be a lot more Kadarius Tony Tony haters out there. But man, scream game kick return. He is my comparison to Javante Williams of running backs. He's a converted player. He was a quarterback in high school. So that talent is raw and it is still developing. But, man, you just can't teach speed in the gift that this young man has. And I think with some good coaching, you know, maybe he's a little bit slow coming out of the gates in the NFL. But I think that talent's so raw and so extreme. I, I just love watching his film. He's the guy that – I'm not saying he's better than these other guys, I just love him, and and I think he's a guy that I hope falls to me, and I could get some shares in uh in Dynasty. My number one guy is probably everybody's number. Well, here, one
1: guy. Le- le- real quick, let's go back go to Kadarius Tony because, like you said, he's probably the most intriguing and the most divisive across the board. Well, except when we get into Devonte Smith and his weight, that could be the only yeah, contender man. there in that regard. But Kadarius Tony, you're in a super flex rookie draft. Are you taking him over any of these other guys in this category right here?
0: I would consider taking him over Rashad Bateman, and I wouldn't take him over the other three. I think he could someday be as good or better than Jalen Waddle, um, but I would not take him over Chase Smith or Waddle. I would consider. What about, t- what, what, about him Terrence, over what about Terrence Marshall? I am taking him over Terrence Marshall.
1: <laughs> Terrence, Terrence, don't <laughs> let that end sneak in <laughs> there. Yeah,
0: Marshall, and he's a good-looking LSU wide receiver, there, Mr. Marshall. Okay, yeah, he knows how to get is open and receivers find the football. He's an LSU receiver. I mean, the, the pedigree is great. I just coach me, man. I, I want Kadarius Tony, and it'll be interesting to see where these guys go on draft day. But yes, I would take him over Marshall potentially Bateman, but not the other guys.
2: Look, when if I'm looking for a wide receiver, and Tony is probably going to end up costing you between the one ten and the 202, 203 in a rookie draft. The problem is there's 10 more guys just like him in the draft that are going to fill the slot. And now, hold on, hear me out. So we're talking about slot wide receivers here, right? So we have Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd is kind of like the really good slot wide receiver that we look at, right? He was third in the NFL in slot targets. Really good. Do you want to, and there was someone else tied with him. Do you know who was sixth and and seventh, but they were tied? Uh, It was one of them, Danny Amendola. Uh, He was actually one spot lower than them, but it's Russell Gage and who else? Uh, Keelan Cole was right underneath them. But so the reason why I bring them up is, like, how much are you paying for those guys in Superflex drafts? Are they the 12th, 13th, 14th round? And you're not having to give up an early two in order to get that. So are we saying he's going to immediately come in and be the fifth best slot wide receiver in the league? That's my worry about it. And that's
1: a, that, that's a valid point because if you, you the name you brought up there obviously Russell Gage, Keelan Cole, there's not much too, you know, too much dynasty value there, but out of slot receivers, you know, once you get through like Keenan Allen, players like that, uh Tyler Boyd, he's probably one of the more expensive ones. Yes. And what like you said, he's kind I, of the ceiling. If I, if I if I put out a poll on Twitter or I ask league mates and I say what do you, 204 or Tyler Boyd there's probably going to be a split there.
2: Yeah. And then the other guy that I didn't mention was Greg Ward. Greg Ward's the other one. I mean, they're free in Superflex leagues and they're the sixth most targeted guys out of the slot. And so when I'm looking at this and I know I will bring them up later, but guys like Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, you know, there's other guys who are going to feel that exact same need for me. And I might miss out on maybe a target a game tops. And so that's the reason to why where Tony is going, there's just. I think more dominant wide receivers that I could get.
0: And I think where he's going is a a key thing to what you said, Mitch, because I'm not taking him at the back end of round one. I'm not there with him. But when we get into the early part of round two, now now I'm liking him. And I think he could be a Tyler Boyd. Like, you know, when you mentioned the Russell Gages and Danny Amendolas, I mean, this guy's a physical freak. I mean, he could do so much more than those guys will be able to do, can do. Um, He just needs to become a more polished football player. So I like his ceiling um, in the National Football League. Will he be a top five slot or right away, JB? I mean, I'm not putting him with Keenan Allen or Tyler Boyd right away. Again, his landing spot is going to be important in the short term. But in the long term, I just think his ability is very high. High ceiling. I love the potential. Yeah. So going
1: through my notes, and this is where I start to get excited because the numbers start coming out. And Dan, just so you know, I have my sheet up. So I'm not looking at the screen. If you pull your red flag out, just wait, because I'm not going to I'm not going to see it just to let everybody know. But when I was going through my notes and pulling everything, it kind of turned into a very anti Kadarius Tony, an anti-Jalen Waddle slugfest, if you will. So. Bear with me. Since 2003, that's always the number. 2003, 39 wide receivers were taken in the first round. One of them was 20 years old, Brandon Cooks. 14 were 21, 16 were 22, 8 were 23. When you look at the players that had multiple wide receiver one seasons, that 21 year old threshold, 29% hit rate, 18.8% for 22. 12 and a half percent for 23. Um, So just something I want to throw out there, you know, as a a blanket statement over everything, but for, for Tony, the, the analytics community is not going to like him. And a big reason, hold on, hang on to your flag. I'm watching now, Dan, but a big reason is the fact that he was not a wide receiver to start. So, So you can tuck those flags away because I understand that. And this is the one player where you're going to have to rely more on the film aspect than – I can't even concentrate right now because of (laughs) the way Dan – what a fool, what a fool. But a player that you're going to have to rely more on the film for than the analytics. But seven first-round wide receivers were not an early declare, one of them had multiple wide receiver one seasons. And that that right there does not bode well for Kadarius Toney. It doesn't bode well for Devontae Smith, but there are some other things about Devontae Smith's game that I quite like. And I've actually come around on him while I had him a little bit higher compared to where I would have just because of how the dynasty community viewed him. I'm catching up there. And Devontae Smith, I think I'm getting to the point where maybe I should have been to start. So Dan can throw out the I told you so. Uh, uh, Just so I don't keep rambling on with numbers, break it up a little bit. Mitch, (laughs) Jalen Waddle is that player that I can't get on board with. And you told me earlier in a text message, you said, JB, you're wrong. You are. I think
2: you are. So I think Jalen Waddle, actually his fit matters more than anybody else. So we know Jalen Waddle wins with speed. He is... I mean, no one, <coughs> sorry, happens every time, but no one is going to be the next Tyreek Hill, right? But he is going to be a guy who could be in sort of that class and what he, but he has to be used in the same way that Kansas City uses Tyreek Hill. If you put him with a guy, I know he's not starting quarterback right now, but one like Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, those kind of guys, um, they just can't do what needs to happen right? Like they can't get the ball to where it needs to go. He needs to be able to run 40 yards down the field, running out, and then run a 20 yard out the next time, right? So he has to be used all over. And if they're not using him that way, if they're just having him run, just doing the old what uh, the Rams did with Sammy Watkins when he was there, you know, it's just a waste. But if you could put him with a very excellent play caller, I actually think his ceiling is the highest in this class. All right. Well,
1: now here's where a few more numbers are going to come out. So I had to break it up just a little bit.
2: And Dan, you got back
1: just in time. You had a little glitch there. And, and, and you're back to hear some more numbers. Nine, nine first round wide receivers under a 30% college dominator. Only one of them had a wide receiver one season. That was Percy Harvin. Again, who falls in that category? Jalen Waddle and Kadarius Toney. No first round wide receiver has had fantasy relevance while not having a breakout age. Jalen Waddell. All right, uh, breakout age of 21 or older. These are the these are the receivers, ready? They were taken in the first round. Craig Davis, Henry, Craig Davis, I don't, who is that? I think it's just some generic name thrown in there. Henry Ruggs, Kelvin Benjamin, Robert Meacham, Kevin White, Mike Clayton, Anthony Gonzalez, Mitch, how many top 12 wide receiver seasons does that
2: crew have? I mean, look, you know, I'm going to fight back on this, right? Because none of them are Jalen Waddle, right? Right, I mean, that's my issue with it. Like I understand the numbers and I understand why this is saying his chance to do it is really low because none of these other guys can do it, right? But at what point with numbers do we look at the NFL is changing? We know the NFL game itself is changing compared to even what it was five years ago, like Mm. wide receivers. They're playing faster. Go ahead, Dan. You can speak to it better than I can.
0: This is for you, Mitch. I want you to finish your thought. I just you, you mentioned the game is changing. Two weeks in a row, JB mentioned since two thousand three. That is twenty one years ago. I'd be a little bit more curious if you could hey, sh- check sh- your twenty one years you know? ago. What year is? Eighteen years it? ago. Eighteen years ago. Sorry, <laughs> my bad math. It's twenty twenty one now. I was I was saying twenty one, but eighteen years ago, we we hear how the game's changing, Mitch. Right back to you, man. Just I wanted to throw that out there.
2: No, that was the only thing that I was going to bring up is when those guys were coming out, like you speak to Kevin White, right? Kevin White was what? Easy,
0: easy, easy on Kevin. Six, he went to where, it four, might where work.
2: Right, but he was like 6'4", 220-something, right? Like he was a big dude. Like those guys just don't come out anymore because that's not what the NFL is looking for. And so that's kind of where I get a little pushback on the numbers is are we willing to change it with, how teams are willing to draft now, because I could tell you eight years ago, there is no chance in hell that Devonta Smith was going to be going in the top five picks. And there's a chance that it happens this year.
1: Listen, I completely agree with you that the game is changing. We've talked about that on so many different levels, whether it's the type of quarterback that has really been a fantasy asset, you know, the more mobile quarterbacks, whether it's the way the NFL is drafting running backs and how they view them or with wide receivers, the physical, you know, just the body type, of the wide receivers that have been doing well recently. Yes, it's changing. But when you start to get all these different metrics and you group them together and you create those thresholds, I I don't know, Jalen Waddell, whether or not you want to say the last 18 years, the last 18 months, he's going to be an outlier. And mm-hmm. the point in going back further than just the last few years is to create that larger sample size. And Mitch, you told me, John, I hate whenever there's five different metrics lumped together. It's like, okay, a receiver that did this, 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 this. So let me ask a question. And yes, I want to ask a question. If I say, Mitch, Dan, I'm going to give you a die and you roll it. And if, if your number comes up, you get a hundred bucks. That sounds pretty good. One in six chance. But now I say, you know what? Scratch that. I'm going to give you a coin. And if you flip that, 50-50 shot, you call heads or tails. Now I give you a hundred bucks. That sounds even better. That is what analytics does when you start tying together all these metrics. It starts narrowing it down. If you really quick, let me just say if you look at just draft capital alone, it has a per, you know hit rate there. If you look at breakout age alone, it has a hit rate there. College here but when you start tying everything together, you get more pieces of the puzzle. And I'm not saying. Screw film. That's not what that is. But when you can put all of it together, it starts to give you better odds, and that's when you start flipping the
0: coin over the die. And I think it's good information, and we are piecing the puzzle together. I I throw out a perfect analogy, and Dan says, we're going to move on. And we know. We are drafting these guys accordingly to, to risk. That's why we ranked them. But, JB, There's so many more four wide receiver sets. We're seeing so many more of these wide receivers pan out. We're seeing these wide receivers develop and pan out and produce quicker. Like The the game is just evolving where I think the percentages, the analytics, I think if we shrink this sample size down, it's got to be showing a little bit more of a hit rate than in years past. And I think with these this first tier of guys, I think the odds of the majority of them hitting is good now how much they hit that's where i say we're putting the puzzle again and i look forward to our final thoughts tonight which we got a while to go before we get there but you know we are we have taken our study in so far i'm feeling pretty good about where these rankings are coming together but the nfl draft that there's there's going to be more i'm going to save it for the final thoughts but you you said
1: something and it, it really resonated with me right there you said talking about hit rates what is a hit for you when we talk about these wide receivers is it one wide receiver 12 season a wide receiver 24 season, because if I'm taking a wide receiver with a top eight, nine pick in a super flex rookie draft, they better be productive on a multi-year basis. And you're telling me you feel comfortable with Jalen Waddle being in that situation.
0: I mean, I'm looking Waddle at the back end of the first round for, for me. So if I get Waddle on the back end of the first round, that means my team is probably a contender. All right. So I'm a little less needing Waddle to be a superstar on my team Versus if I'm picking in the top six, eight. Now, again, looking at super flex quarterbacks may or may not go a little bit heavier. That factors in. That pushes some of this talent back a little bit. Um, But, you know, Waddle, for me, for him to hit, he needs to be a productive NFL player that's going to be in my starting lineup flex for years to come. If I take him in the top six, he's got to hit. And that's where Jamar Chase comes in. You know, uh, to me, he's the real deal. Even though Devonta Smith is my guy. I'm I'm putting my heart aside here. Uh, and I'm saying, hey, Jamar Chase is a guy that has to hit. He needs to become a superstar. Devontae Smith might slide in some drafts. Jalen Waddell might slide a little bit. When I say slide, it's if it's a just you know a rookie draft, that might be late, late first round. If it's a startup draft, we've seen, you know, Devonta Smith go to a nice sweet spot in drafts. And I think he, he could be had at a value.
1: Maybe, you know, I, I was gonna make a, a smart comment but i'm gonna refrain i'm really maturing here in front of everybody's eyes but uh initially we were gonna do wide receivers and tight ends tonight and i was like guys i don't think we can touch tight ends we've gone through two wide receivers or 20 minutes in so what i want to do
2: no i I gotta talk about one guy
0: all right yeah let's talk about him real quick just quick analysis go start us off mitch
2: i want to talk about Terrace marshall and the reason is i think he taking jamar chase out because jamar chase is kind of like set alone wide receiver one right Terrace Marshall, to me, is the one guy who could turn into an alpha in this class. You know, I'm not looking for a guy who's really good at slot. I'm not looking for a guy who's a good X or a good Z. I want a guy who can do everything. Terrace Marshall is one of the only people in this class who, when Burrow was there, he played outside. He had 13 touchdowns in 12 games with Burrow. Then this year, they moved him all over the field and actually played him quite a bit in the slot because, I mean, no one could keep it with Marshall's speed at this point. He's like six foot three, two hundred pounds. Runs a f- like a, I think it was just a four four flat, if I remember right.
1: And that's bad down in LSU because they're all I know right three guys yeah
2: four three nine right. And so just when you look at him and it, the draft type is slowly catching up too. I definitely think he's going to go in the first. And as long as he doesn't get that like horrible Baltimore Ravens landing spot, he's going to be the guy. That I'm going to be drafting a lot more of than I think anybody else is because I really think that it's smart when you have this amount of guys compacted in. I want to be overweight on a player. I want to be DFS Dan. You know, you have 20 lineups going into GPP. I don't want to have 20 different quarterbacks. I want to have four quarterbacks and I want those four quarterbacks to be good. So that's what I want with my Terrace Marshall.
0: When we to add to that, when we look at this first group of receivers we have, and we each got guys we like more than others, as does everyone who's listening to this show. But like, so we'll make different arguments for Bateman, for Tony, for Marshall. If I need a quarterback or a running back in the first round or Pitts, if it, if it's a tight end premium, then I'm probably not getting, and we're not getting Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. So if I still need a receiver, maybe I have an early second round pick. I'm really hoping to get one of these three guys to your point of Terrence Marshall, Mitch, if I can't get one of those other guys. Yeah. I don't like Marshall as much of them, but I think he could hit, you know, I'm going to draft him and then hoping he could outperform some of those guys to JB, Mr. Analytics himself. Some of these guys aren't going to hit and I'm going to be really happy scoring with a Terrence Marshall.
1: All right, well, let's get through. So these first round wide receivers, Jamar Chase. Can we all just agree he is our wide receiver one collectively?
0: Elite physical beast.
1: There's no hot take here. Okay. This is where it's going to get a little interesting. Devontae Smith. Mitch, is he your wide receiver too? No. Dan? 100%. I actually have slotted him. Him and... Him and Bateman, they're my two three, but I would have them in the same tier. So Mitch is Terrace Marshall, your wide yeah. receiver too. He
2: is, but I don't have to take him there. That's the one thing: is if I'm at the one hundred and eight, I'm not drafting Terrace Marshall there. I will trade back to get him because I don't think anyone's going to be taking him there at the one hundred and eight.
1: All right. So Mitch has Chase Marshall. If, if I, hold on, real quick. Who, who finish out those six, Mitch?
2: Um, Marshall. Then we'll have Smith Waddle. Bateman and Tony.
0: All right, Dan. So Chase Smith, and with Smith, if if there is a trend from last year, this year, I love the route runners. Like I love Jerry Judy last year. I love Devonta Smith as a route runner. He had to believe he can go inside or outside. I think he's tougher than his size. He's been durable at Alabama. Um, he just runs like a deer. And I think he's a putt return touchdown machine. And I gotta say, you know, he did surpass the all time records of the legend Amari Cooper at Alabama, not single season. But, but all time. So that 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 holds a place in my heart as well there. You know, I think he's just a tough dude that loves football. We saw that in the championship game, and you just can't teach speed. Uh, Rashawn Bateman next, strong hands, good size. I love the body control and his concentration. I, I think he has instincts, and he could beat you in many ways. So I, I've been where I think a lot of the Dynasty community has been high on him before me at different times, you know, kind of hyping him up as a sleeper guy. I'm kind of catching on to that. Tony, I talked about Lovin, and then Marshall.
1: The one player that I want to piggyback off of really quick that Mitch brought up, Terrace Marshall. So comp-wise, when you look at first-round draft capital, fewer than four years in college, so an early declare, 20-year-old breakout age and at least a 30% college dominator. Again, like I with running backs, I did worst-case scenario for an analytics comp. So nothing, you know, what we're seeing film-wise. So worst-case scenario, a good... Uh, Well, this actually comes out to a higher end and then a uh, really high end. So Charles Rogers, Calvin Ridley, Andre Johnson, like there, there's some good company there. And when you look at the profiles, Terrace Marshall, he does have that opportunity to possibly have a ceiling right there with Jamar chase. So my rankings, despite that glowing endorsement, I do have Terrace Marshall, at four so it goes chase bateman smith terrace marshall uh, we haven't talked about the next two guys yet so i can't talk about them jalen waddle somebody else and then Kadarius
0: tony so. i'd be wondering john too like alabama and lsu receivers if you kind of just cluster them out what the numbers show over time oh, of, yes. of their top draft picks you know are they in a league of their own of kind of bucking some of those trends or not i'd be curious
1: well, I mean, the, the the recency bias here alone for, I think, Alabama, when you look at Rugs and Judy and the you know, I, I, I still am a fan of Judy, but I think for Rugs and Judy, so underwhelming, that's in the back of people's minds, too. But then it's like, OK, well, all these players played together so many miles to feed. But the expectation was Judy and Rugs were really going to come in and be fantasy relevant, especially when we saw all these other wide receivers come in early on. um, You know, I I think it would be interesting just to isolate those two schools.
2: Look, it's hard to come in and beat beat out Nelson Aguilar. That's a really hard thing to expect a rookie to do. So we'll just give him this year. And look, Brian Edwards had the exact same issue. So, you know, Aguilar can hold a lot of people off the field apparently all right so uh we could have done the whole episode i I always say this but we could
1: have done the whole episode just there Mm -hmm. on those first round wide receivers but mid-tier options there are a lot of intriguing guys here a lot and mitch you're like "Eh, i don't think i want any of them where i'm like yeah these guys they they kind of intrigue me but and i've said this on multiple different appearances other podcasts. i've said it on dynasty theory my 201 very well could be somebody else's 210 and vice versa that is how wide of a range here in this second round we're going to see and ADP is going to be you know absurd this season I think and we say it every year but I really do believe it this year so mid-tier options let me scroll here for a second let me get my guys that I lumped together here so these are guys with Second or third round expected draft capital: Seth Williams, De'Ami Brown, Elijah Moore, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Amari Rogers, who who I think could sneak maybe into th- the third. And I have to give a shout out to the guys over at NFL Rough Draft, Mike and Ray, because I've been picking their yep. brain and annoying the crap out of them. Mitch, you're in that DM. I'm like, hey, Mike and Ray, what are, what's your expectation here, draft capital wise? And they, I think they want to say leave me alone, but they always answer pretty quickly. But that group, Dan. Is there anybody that really jumps out to you? Not necessarily the top dogs, but somebody that you might have your eye on come the second round of your rookie draft.
0: There's one, um, you know, one. It, only, only one, you know, and I'm not saying there's not guys I don't like, but when I kind of separated my receivers from your notes, JB, and just started ranking them as an overall class, you know, we, we talked about our, who our top six was, I think it was there. And then the only other guy cluster there was Tylon Wallace, I just see him as a burner, an athletic cat that finds the ball. You know, six foot 18, 185 out of Oklahoma State and other. Wait, right, he he's in this Produces group too. Receivers.
1: He's in this group too. I have him there, and yeah, then I there. actually I, I I had Nico Collins there too. I think I might have put that just on my notes because Mike and Ray said he could sneak at the end of the third. Anyway, Dan, sorry.
0: <laughs> all good man but yeah Tyon wallace at oklahoma state like i said they produce some receivers as well over time uh he's the one guy that i think stands out amongst this tier and has the potential to go up into that first tier so I-, I i wouldn't mind him landing with me in the second round mitch
2: i actually like wallace a lot i would agree if i'm gonna pick one out of this group but one thing i was gonna mention is we have five guys in this group and like another eight in the next group right To me, they're so close to where if we say Green Bay drafts one of them, I don't care what their name is in the second round. They draft a wide receiver. That wide receiver is going to jump up above everybody, no matter where the rest go. I mean, the rest can get premier landing spots, but these guys are so close that, you know, I brought him up in the discord chat and I said, Rondell Moore, if he goes there, he's going to, I mean, he's already going to go in the 202, 203 range anyways, but that's going to just cement him in there. But if you bring up a guy like Joe, you know, who would you just bring up? Nico Collins, right? Well, if Nico Collins goes there, what's going to happen? I mean, the exact same thing. And he'll all of a sudden move up to the early first. So I think there's a lot of these guys that are just so close that it's going to be draft capital dependent and where they are drafted, that's going to really matter to me this year. You know, I was listening to the Draft Network's podcast today and they brought up a really good point with Rondell Moore. Is Rondell Moore is like, extremely team depend on where he goes. If they a- ask their slot wide receiver to run 40 yards down the field, you know, to split the seam, he's not going to do that at five, seven. Like you just can't ask him to. So Rondell Moore needs to go to one. That's going to have him, you know, get spots middle of the field, use that speed to break away from everybody and get those yards. And so just some of these and Amon Ross, St. Brown is kind of in the same boat to where he's a slot wide receiver. I mean, that's just what he is. He could do well in the slot, but what's his ceiling? Jameson Crowder?
1: No, his ceiling. I'm going to tell you his ceiling here in a 2nd Amon Ross St. Brown, so he's my guy. And I had the
2: opportunity to go on. One sec. Can I say something real quick?
0: Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah.
2: I love him because of his name. Like, his name raises him in the rankings for me.
0: I'm Top-notch name, JB. Awesome, awesome name. And because of that, he's my wide receiver five. There's
1: the analysis. See? There we go. Listen, so Almond Ross, St. Brown, again, I'm going to bore you with some numbers here. But it's not just Almond Ross, St. Brown, but it's Seth Williams, Brown, Elijah Moore, uh, 27 wide receivers draft in the second and third round, draft age of 21, breakout age, super young, 18 or 19. Six of those 27 have had multiple wide receiver one seasons. Three have not quite hit that. Chris Godwin, D.K. Metcalf, T. Higgins. So we could be talking about a 30 to 33% hit rate for multiple wide receiver one seasons. I'm not saying all of these guys are going to do it. Heck, maybe none of them do it. But analytically speaking, when you look at these guys, Amon Ross, St. Brown, there's three players that that I've pulled in and I've compared him to. And the group is Christian Kirk, which obviously isn't super sexy these days. Uh, And Dan, just so you know, even though Twitter th- makes it sound popular and that's the way you should do it. Everybody shouldn't be comp to the superstar in their level. Just, just to get that
0: out there. I, then, I just thought Christian Kirk was too complimentary. was kind of where I was going along with uh, Jam- Jamison Crowder. I, 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 I think he might like, to be honest, Tajay Sharp <laughs> might be his ceiling if we're lucky.
1: So the other players, and I'm going to, I'm going to cruise through this negativity, Mitch and Dan are not going to dim my light tonight. Tyler Boyd and Robert Woods, Robert Woods. Maybe it's that USC connection. I, I'll throw, I'll, I'll put it all together for you guys. So you can see exactly where that's coming from. Uh, Kyle in the chat, just draft the right wide receivers and you hit on hundred percent of the time, JB. Uh, I agree. I like that's that. It. That's an easy strategy. Uh, but some of the Tyler Wallace, uh, Nico Collins, he's intriguing. Uh, he could be a big body, you know, third round wide receiver, Kind of in between. Well, Talk about low range and high range. Trae Quan Smith and
2: Kenny Galladay. You know the the range of outcomes. Can I? Can I ask? So this is like another issue that I have with the Atlantic Analytics part, right? Like um Ross St. Brown. You just said he comps really well to Robert Woods and Tyler Boyd. To me, they play two completely different positions. I mean, they both might. They're both wide receivers, but they just play differently. And with the way the NFL is, and I hate having to bring this up again, but slot wide receivers do a certain thing. And Robert Woods does something completely different. Well, and that's when you can start to incorporate
1: slot percentage and things like that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Slot percentage isn't incorporating, you know, the other fancy schmancy numbers. Uh, Seth Williams, I think he's intriguing, but super low floor. Uh, Elijah Moore. So a lot of people had an issue. And again, it's, it's, it's not necessarily the body type. That was the pushback I got here. But I said, can we call Elijah Moore the 2021 KJ Hamler? And people, everybody, they thought it was a knock. It wasn't necessarily a knock. Everyone loved KJ Hamler. But but I I think the the end result, well, not even end result. It's been one season. But what we saw, people were like, oh, that's so disrespectful to Elijah Moore. He's so much better. Such a better prospect. He's probably going to land in that second round very similar to the range that KJ Hamler went. And... There are a lot of similarities again, just from the numbers. And people in the chat, they're probably saying, "JB, shut
0: the hell up about numbers." I predict Amon Ross St. Brown slides in the draft, and you're very disappointed, JB. That, that to me, he falls in that good football player club. Like he's a good football player, not a fantasy football player. I mean, I thought he was a good hand catcher. You know, he gets he plays with some some passion, but. I don't see the juice that Elijah Moore has, the Rondell Moore has, like everybody else in this class. All three uh, feet of Rondell Moore. Uh, now, R- Rondell Moore, to to your point of being five seven and short, there are concerns there. Like if you have a short quarterback that can't see him down the seam, um, I, I him think and Kyler just, together <laughs> would be great. Him, him <laughs> and Kyler could could present some problems there. You know, I, I think. Who is it here that said the Saints on our in our chat might be a good fit? You know, if yeah. a guy who could sling it around and the Saints are very creative in how they use them. The only thing is I think the Saints have some young receivers that they might kind of go with this year, but that'll be for a for a different episode. But so Elijah I like is like a Cole Beasley 2.10 in the slot there. I love his hands in route running. Rondell Moore again. I do like Rondell as a freak athlete. I mean, he's squatting 600 plus pounds. This is a strong five seven Smurf, as Mitch said. in our, in our JB calling the timeout from the <laughs> yeah. sidelines here. The
1: only thing separating potentially Elijah Moore and Cole Beasley is draft capital. But if you look at at, at productivity and uh, metrics, you know, at the collegiate level, they, they weren't far off. So, Dude, I, I actually
2: I think that's a great thing. Like, I, I think Beasley's good.
1: I actually really like that one. The only thing that he's not going to really line up in comp and models is the draft capital. Who else do we have in this group? I don't know. You've been glitching for the last five minutes over there. Why have I been glitching
0: there? In the middle,
1: You're Elijah Moore. In nowhere.
2: All right. So, slot, slot, more slot.
1: Yeah, a lot of slots.
0: Yes. Yeah, so a Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, Amon St. Brown. Seth Williams is that the last one yeah yep you know Seth Williams to me here's a big body wide receiver with upside he's not a complete route runner but I would gamble on him in a rookie draft I'll be really interested to see where he goes um I, I have an auburn connection here as far as just a, a diehard auburn fan that goes to the, like their spring practices and watches them all um you notice some sideline tantrums when he's getting shut down you know is, is there any baggage there and that's going to tie into my my thoughts as well tonight. But uh, I think the talent's there. I think he's not polished, but there's potential. But there are some concerns, so he, he's at the bottom of that tier for me.
1: All right. So there's about 55 wide receivers in this group. There Mitch, really are. Mitch, give me the three that it, they're the top of your list here.
2: So Deami Brown, he he's a guy who's just an ex wide receiver, and that's something that we don't see a lot of in this class. He's a guy who is like the perfect complementary wide receiver to Michael Gallup type, right? I mean, I think that's like the perfect way to look at him. And then if I had to guess, I'm not going to steal your guy. But the only other one I'm going to bring up, I, I know he weighs 145 pounds, but it's out well. And the only reason why I bring him up, the NFL network people love him. And if they love him and they bring him up on every single mock draft, that's because people in the NFL are telling them, we like this guy. And if he ends up getting really good draft capital, he weighs 150 pounds, you know, he'll end up sliding a lot in drafts just because dynasty players are smart enough to know that wide receiver is probably not going to last. But there's a reason why NFL teams love him. I don't know what it is, but that doesn't really matter if NFL teams do.
1: Dan made a comment, and I talked about it with uh, running backs last week. The NFL draft is going to tell us a lot. It's going to be the last piece to the puzzle. If a team, and you said Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, you know, maybe he's not the player I think he is. Maybe the NFL views him differently. I will, and we should adjust accordingly. I'm not talking about landing spot, but draft capital. If for some reason the NFL says I'm on raw, it's a cool name, but we're going to take you in the fourth round. Yep. That's going to really change things. I don't think he lands in the fourth. That's going to be my day two. You know, during the live NFL draft show that we're doing, day two, and we're sitting there, I'm on raw, I'm on raw, I'm on raw. I might have to get a
0: a custom-made jersey or something. JB, out of out of this class, there there were two guys that I thought could potentially even be like Go Collins. He, he's in this group here, right? Wait, say that say that again, because you were glitching just a bit. Man, country internet tonight. Nico Collins, man, he's a guy that I think could be potentially bumped up a class. Really good size at 6'4, 215. I watch his film and I see the ability and the strong hands. I hear some of the people say, like, not blazing speed, but then I see he ran like a 4'4 340. Like that, that's when I think four time, man. Like that's still a very quick NFL time. I, I think he's a very sneaky talent. Uh De'Ami Brown is an intriguing player of North Carolina. He catches the ball in some really tight windows. His film was fun to watch for me. Mitch hit on two, two man. I just like saying his name, and I, I think a landing spot will be important. And I think what the NFL scouts like of him is he's got the speed and the quickness, and I think his f- football IQs kind of through the through the chart. There, you're right, Kyle. Man, I apologize for that. I'll be calling the internet provider before the NFL draft, but um, and then the, the last guys that really intrigued me, man, Amari Rodgers. I'm starting to think he might be one of the better guys in the slot. Very, very good <laughs> football player in a kickoff returner. JB disagrees, but I like Amari Rodgers, man. When I was watching him catch passes from Trevor Lawrence, like they had something special going there. And I know it's an elite quarterback, but but I think there is something to it. And Anthony Schwartz, I'm going to go back to my Auburn. Four two six 2 feed, man. You four two six speed you better tackle him or he's housing it. And uh, my Auburn context says the Tigers didn't use him enough. Kind of reminds me a little bit of McCall Hardman and his blazing speed at Georgia. Again, I think he there was every time he touched the ball at Georgia Hardman, man, it, he made plays. And that's Schwartz at Auburn there. So, I think there's something special there where uh he's a sneaky guy that you can get at a value late.
1: Super young. He's a sprinter, like you said, blazing speed, lightning fast, college production pretty blah like you said maybe he should have been used a little bit more and the expectation there is third or fourth round draft capital for the nfl i think schwartz i think you can get him in the third round of your rookie drafts if you want to and at that point perfectly fine mitch and i we took him in a startup where the rookies were included and we got him at like i i have to go back and look but it was fairly late it was i hope it was
2: late. late yeah
1: it, it was, I would have taken him before Jalen Waddle, but no, that's a little, that's a little stretch there. But, uh, so Anthony Schwartz, somebody that intrigues me a little bit as well, but Amari Rogers, the, the under 25% college dominator, he's five foot nine. All right. Uh, there, there's a concern there and I don't want to be the, a heightest, you know, we, we've been talking to Jeff too much, apparently, but th- that is a concern. So under 25% college dominator, five foot, 10 or less 47 wide receivers fall in that category. Two, two have had multiple wide receiver, two seasons. Uh, and then only four of them had third round, second or third round draft capital, which is the expectation for Rogers Gerald Jernigan. I think that's a made up name that was thrown in the spreadsheet. Marquise Goodwin, Mecole Hardman, Eddie Royal, just a list of names that fall into that category. Again, Eddie was pretty good. I remember Eddie. I thought you were saying Gerald. Gerald Jernigan. Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: Eddie Royal. Bears. He was good. I was two weeks.
1: I liked Eddie. I remember having him in a few redraft leagues. Yeah. And there was one. I forget what it was. I For some reason, I traded for him in a redraft league. And then like I don't think he saw the field the rest of the season. It was, it was, it was a great move. It was a great move. All right. So out of that entire class, uh, entire group, I, my, my highest ranked in that cluster, Amon Ross St. Brown, Elijah Moore, and then probably between Seth Williams and De'Ami Brown. The, you know, those are the four guys. Uh, Nico Collins, Tylen Wallace, maybe Tylen Wallace, you know, uh, could get bumped up there. But the one guy that I don't like, Amari Rogers, Sorry, Dan.
0: It's fair he's not he's not necessarily a my guy kind of person again he's just a sneaky one that it really i, I would take a flyer on him depending on who is there
1: oh dan just to reiterate who's your top guy right here in, the, in this group for everybody
0: listening that was tylon wallace he was in that group wasn't he
1: yeah so is that your top guy
2: yes sir so all are right. we including all 13 players here there's like 13 names. Is that what we're talking about? I thought we we're talking about like the Amari Rogers and Anthony Schwartz p- tier
0: there. Let me look at uh, JB's I, list. I, I could I be looking at the me. wrong yeah. one. He has so yeah. many lists here. Oh, no. So my bad. Ones. My bad. He's not in this group. So out of this list here, Thank you, my Dad. top guy would be Nico Collins.
1: All right. So you got
0: Nico Collins. And
1: well, did I have Tylen Wallace no more? So what I put together. You the combined show. a whole bunch and then just picked the best guys. And uh, that's i like the cherry rice guy he's yeah, he's pretty good nothing. all right so uh, the only guy that i'm scrapping out of all the people i just talked about amari rogers but tylen wallace nika collins elijah Moore, John Brown, seth williams and then the legend the legend amon raw saint Bram. time will tell
0: time will tell now, hey now we're getting to the favorite part of the show we're, we're deep diving aren't we
1: Yes, we mm-hmm. are late round wide receiver targets. I know everybody's talking about the top dogs. I know everybody's talking about those guys with first round draft capital. And th- it's a deep wide receiver class. But Mitch, like you said, there's a lot of similarities. There's like I said, there's a lot of outliers if they do hit. But digging deep. And I, I think both of you are bringing the same
2: guy to the table. We are. So, so I won't name the guy, but I will say this. As I was saying earlier, Love slot wide receivers, right? We love slot wide receivers when we could get them really cheap because they're cheap points, and that's why we want them because they're not Julio. We're not taking them in the fourth. We're taking these guys in the 14th round, and that's what this guy's going to do, and he's going to do it very, very well in the league.
0: I appreciate the setup, and I'm going to go back to our champions draft and answer the question you guys had about Anthony Schwartz, who you took five picks before this guy I'm about to name. So this, this is really cool here. In the 19th round, 1902, you guys took Anthony Schwartz, which I, I think that's a sweet spot, the way rookies were going in this draft. And I, I think Schwartz is in this class with Jalen Darden, who I'm about to mention there from the Green Machine. I love Jalen Darden. And I, like you said, Mitch, late value. I think this guy could be sneaky good up with these other slot receivers that we talked about tonight on the show. 5'9", um, 174, a big guy out of North Texas. But holy cow, is he a football player? Like he just knows how to score. Uh, he had some quote. He had some quotes. Dan, Dan, you, Dan,
1: you got Dan. You gotta figure out the internet connection.
0: Nah, my apologies, guys. I don't know what's going on here tonight, man. Hopefully, you hear me now. Because his quote, if you look up his highlight film on YouTube, he says, "I like making someone miss it is like brushing my teeth. I have to do it every day." And then he mentioned slow feet, don't eat. We, we, we say that in college coaching there. His stats are sick. Um, he, he's playing for uh, his dad who passed away. He is shifty as they come. He is a playmaker with good hands. To me, he's a fly receiver. Uh, I love Jalen Darden. So
2: one thing that I will say
1: about- I'm calling... Do you have Verizon, Comcast? Who do you have? Because i got to give him a call out to the show.
2: Mitch. Okay. <laughs> so, but the one thing I want to bring up with Darden is... Ex- his acceleration, right? So when you watch someone like Cooper cup, he doesn't have that blazing speed. That's going to run past everybody. But what he has is when you get him in a box, he'll be anybody out of that box. And I really think, uh, Darden can do that same thing to where he actually has a lot of top end speed, but that acceleration and that quickness that is going to be able to beat NFL defenders. And that's what you want. You want that, you know, safety coming down into the box covering him, and then he just blows by the safety because the safety can't change direction that fast. And that's what I think Darden can do better than a lot of these wide receivers that we brought up already.
1: All right. Anybody else that you guys want to talk about? We ran through a lot of wide receivers here. A lot. A lot of Marshall. That's all I got to say. Terrace Marshall, he's somebody that certainly is rising up a lot of people's boards. And I do think, uh, you know, I, I've seen him, we've seen him mock to Kansas City. If he goes to Kansas City, oh, Lord. Yep. Oh, holy moly. Uh, the one spot that I, I don't want anybody to go to Baltimore, and I know you can say, yeah, but.
2: Yeah, no, there's but no I don't yeah, want, but
1: there. No. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to see anybody go to Baltimore. So if Rashad Bateman goes to Baltimore, and I've seen that you know, come out in a few mocks, I would not be thrilled whatsoever. Agreed. We learned from that hollywood brown
0: dan loves hollywood like like he's been demoted from love to like
1: <laughs> dan you're you're good now we're at the end of the episode
2: and finally you're good
0: Don't just in time me.
2: for final thoughts
0: all right so nothing
1: else on any wide
2: receivers were good oh i set that up perfect oh. that was a- final thoughts
0: you throw him an alley-oop mitch and he just watches the ball go right by him right I by tried. him
1: i tried All right, Mitch, well, I I ruined the alley-oop, but hit our listeners with a final thought after episode 113.
2: Just something that I kind of brought up a little bit is it goes against what other people say, but let's say you're in five to 10 dynasty leagues. I do think it's worth it to be overweight on players. There's like, you never want to be above 30% on something. You never want to be above 20% on a player, but I really think And this goes back to DFS and knowing Dan wins a lot. Like there's 32 quarterbacks playing, you know, probably 28 after the Sunday night games and stuff. But you don't have that teams with 28, you know, with 28 quarterbacks in the lineup. You have four or five that you like and you go overweight on those guys. Because if they hit, then you hit and you win money. And I really think that's the case with these wide receivers this year is find the guys you really like, draft them, And if they hit, you're great. And Honestly, if they don't, a lot of these guys probably aren't going to hit anyways. And so you're probably going to be okay in the end. Have we ever had a disagreement during a final
1: thought? I don't know if we have. I know
2: you won't agree with this.
1: (laughs) No, and it's not nothing completely egregious. But the only thing is, let's say you have three of these receivers in the same tier. Maybe you split those receivers up. But you're saying no. no. No, get the one. All right. The way I would approach that is if I have three players in the same tier, maybe spread that out. But again, you and I, if if we wanted to go that route, we have the luxury because of how many leagues we're in. Right. If yep. you're in one or two leagues, clearly yeah, you, you can't it. be doing that. Uh All right, Dan, 113
0: episodes. What do you got for the listeners? Final thought, number 113 here. Um, I, I think to all these points, you know, so – I'm getting ready, you know, the wife and I were reading books last night and well, she was reading a book. I actually had my laptop up with my 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 rankings and and she takes a peek over and she's like, "Oh, that's nice." She's like, "I like color-coded." And then she's seeing like all the different asterisks and highlights and you know, the the rookie rankings that we did right now, you know, we we we've looked at highlight films, we've looked at analytics. We're looking at all the information we have to get us to this point. And and I kind of get a kick, like people that were like blasting stuff on Twitter, like this guy is a superstar, whoever he is, like months ago and really have no clue. You know, I think for our listeners, it's we're giving you a lot of information. Take it, store it, and keep learning and keep adjusting as we go. Because JB, Mitch, and I are going to keep adjusting in every startup draft we do before and after the NFL draft and throughout the season and keep going. Because I think what people kind of lose sight of a little bit, and there's a lot of great fantasy analysts that are grinding out there, but once the NFL draft comes, where those guys go, and we're going to have opinions of who went too high and too low, but they're merging their information of the film and the analytics with scouting reports, coaches' feedback, You know, football IQ merged with ability. It's not just what we see on the game film. Knowing the good and bad about the kids on and off the field. You know, when I – work at Lackawanna college and I get to spend some time with the football coaches in the office. There are NFL coaches calling their office about Juco kids that just graduated from a four-year university. Like they are deep diving into the Juco's to the high school coaches and learning everything they can about the kids and assessing risk. We don't know the risk right now. We don't know those Darius Guy situations that we talked about. So really keep in mind that when that NFL draft comes, they're giving us new information that we don't even know. When we're wondering why some of these guys are going high and low, it's because of all those things I just mentioned. I didn't even list everything, but that's just a little off-the-cuff final thought there. Uh, you know. And then you know that draft capital, how much are they invested in them? They are telling us their game plan going into the next year. So if you go back to our coaching episodes, merge that with our rookie episodes, free agent episodes, now we're seeing what they're investing and start predicting a little bit of what's ahead.
1: That was like a final novel. I loved it.
0: Deep thought that was like deep thoughts tonight, buddy.
1: I guess I can't talk about you being long winded when I pretty much had a five minute run on sentence going on (laughs) about different numbers, but just to let everybody know. So we went through a lot of information tonight. Some of it, you know, like that one group that we went over. I don't even know who is, who's wide receiver. one. I I don't know. So next week we are going to put everything together. Uh, Quarterback, running back, wide receiver. We'll talk a little bit about the tight ends to start. Uh, that Kyle Pitts guy, he's okay. So we're going to talk about tight ends to start next week. Then we're going to attempt in one hour to get through two rounds of a mock draft. But the way we talk, we'll probably get through three picks. Yep. So uh, And then the following week, we're going to be off on the 27th, but we are going to be doing the live draft show the 29th and 30th. And then we'll have a nice little graphic made up with our final rankings heading into the draft. And then I would love to see how things kind of get changed a little bit. Keeping, keeping 23 old running backs, not taken in the first or second round out of there. So that's my final thought. All right. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at dynasty theory, FF stay safe, be kind to each other. And have a fantastic night.